0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, we thank you for your Gospel, we thank you for your Word, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, we thank you for the Church, we thank you for every believer who's gone before us and who has been faithful in passing the baton down to us. Help us in our generation too, to be faithful um, to you and to the needs of the uh, people around us. Nothing is by chance, and you have put us where we are. Uh, Help us, Lord, to fulfill our calling and to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's always an immense privilege to be a Christian at any time in history or in any place. To be a child of God, to be forgiven, justified, united with Christ, to be an heir of God and indwelt by the Holy Spirit are incomparable blessings that we will Never be able to praise God for enough in all eternity. But in relative terms, the privilege of being a Christian varies according to time and place. To be a Christian in a place where there are only a few other Christians is the greatest privilege of all. To be a light in a dim place is one thing, but to be a light in one of Earth's darkest places is the greatest privilege of all. But with that comes responsibility. And perhaps no one has felt the weight of that responsibility more than Peter and John in this passage. They had been uh, hauled up before the Sanhedrin, that's the high Jewish Jewish council, for preaching the gospel and blaming Jesus' death on the leaders, the Jewish leaders. They had been strictly warned not to preach about Jesus anymore, and they boldly refused. And then they were threatened and released. So, when they return, they gather the church together for a prayer meeting and they pray. And their prayer requests are two they pray for boldness and they pray for miracles of grace. So, let's look at those two prayers. First of all, they pray for boldness. Now, my friends, isn't that a great need of yourself? It's certainly a great need for me, and I think it's a great need for the church in the UK. And it's certainly a great need for the church in Japan. Why do you think there are so few churches um, in this country? Why do you think you can drive through a a large city and you see church buildings and you see they've been turned into a theater or into a nightclub? Why do you think that is? Do you think it just happens? I don't think it just happens. I think it's because the church stops telling the gospel. And... uh, When did you last actually tell somebody about Christ? Not give your Christian opinion about a Christian, um, or or, uh, give your opinion about some issue from a Christian perspective, but actually tell somebody about the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he offers them if they believe. When did you last offer Christ to somebody? Have you done it recently? Have you done it in the last week or even this year? My friends, one of the reasons we don't do it is because we're too timid. Um, The Japanese are like that. They don't like to uh, uh, impose on somebody or feel they're wasting their time. And we're very reserved as British people. We don't like to um, go and invade somebody's space. But we need to pray for boldness. The apostles prayed for boldness, so why don't we? I certainly need to. It's something I pray for every day. And it's something all of us should remember to pray for. But let's look at this uh, prayer that the apostles prayed. And uh, let's, um, it's very, very interesting. Let's see it. First of all, this prayer for boldness is very notable. It's very notable because the apostles, while they had been harassed and threatened, they hadn't been beaten yet. They hadn't been physically abused yet. They hadn't been whipped. That comes later. But even though they have not been physically Um, attacked or threatened with martyrdom? Well, perhaps they had. But they hadn't actually been beaten up. And yet they pray for boldness. They pray that um, God would give them boldness. Another thing that's very notable about this prayer is that they had been bold up to this point. They had been bolder than any of us had been. Right from the day of Pentecost, they had been bold. In between, they had been bold. Right up to this verse, they had been bold. And even the uh, Jewish leaders who who, uh, um, were seeing Peter and John in front of them, note the boldness of Peter and John. So they're praying for something they already have. And actually, the word in um, in the Greek, the ESV, translates it rather well. They say, continue to speak your word with boldness. They knew they had it, but they didn't want to lose it. So they're praying for something they already have. They're way ahead of us, aren't they? Because we don't pray for something that we don't have. And they are praying for something that they have. So my friends, we need to pray for boldness. It needs to be right on the top of our list of priorities to pray for when we pray for ourselves. I need to pray for it, and I'm sure that you need to pray for it too. And then, look how intensely they pray for it. They uh, marshal uh, impressive biblical arguments. They remind themselves um, that God is the omnipotent creator uh, who inspires all the events that have come to pass, um, including the crucifixion when uh, Jesus was uh, persecuted by the world powers of the day. They identify themselves as servants along with the holy servant Jesus. They do that twice. What are they doing? They're... They're worshipping God. They're worshipping. They're seeing how big God is, how powerful God is, how eternal God is, how wise God is. And they're just thinking. They've got the Jewish leaders here threatening them and then they start to think about God instead. They start to worship. And you know, boldness is not something we work up um, out of our uh, timid little hearts. Boldness is something that God gives us, yes, but it comes two hearts that are worshipping God and have a big sense of how big God is so let's worship God that's something else we really need to do, we need to be happy people you know under the, underneath uh, the narrative in the gospel, uh, sorry in the Acts of the Apostles you see the Apostles happiness, they were filled with joy they were buoyant, they were irrepressible, nothing could get them down and that's what we need if we're going to be bold because they had a high view of God, they worshipped Him as Creator, as Redeemer, as uh, and Jesus as a great servant of the Lord, and they were um, servants also. <clears throat> so, why do they pray for boldness when they already had it, and they haven't even been beaten up yet? Why do they pray with such intensity? And the answer is in the text: they knew their own weakness. And they knew the effectiveness of threats. They knew how effective it is and how scary it is to be threatened. That's what what they say. Look upon their threats. Lord, look upon these threats. And with that, you have Peter who prayed it, don't you? Look upon their threats. Peter had been threatened before and he didn't do very well. Look upon their threats and consider my weakness. Consider how I, Peter, was taken by surprise and threatened by a servant girl. And now we're being threatened threatened by uh, the whole Jewish council. The same people who condemned our Lord. I'm too weak to continue to be bold, Peter means, when he says, look upon their threats. (coughs) And so Peter um, is very conscious of the power and the danger of threats. <clears throat> threats come in various guises, and often they're unexpected. Moses was threatened by Pharaoh and ran away to Midian. Elijah was threatened by Jezebel, and even though he had been so bold until then, his boldness quickly met, melted away, and he fled into the desert. Never underestimate the power of a threat, and or overestimate your power to deal with it. another reason why threats are so dangerous is they're dressed up as kindness. Um, We can be sure the Sanhedrin didn't say, we're really itching to punish you, um, but we're afraid of the crowd. That would have been the truth. But they probably said, look, no more of this. We're not going to punish you yet. We're going to be kind to you. Um, We've dealt with the ringleader, Jesus, but we're going to, you're common uneducated men, so we're going to give you another chance. Be careful. And So it's, when, when we're sort of threatened and then let off, it kind of generates in us the wrong kind of thankfulness and the wrong kind of subservience. Threats are very dangerous. Now, we're not particularly threatened, I don't suppose, in Kremlin are you, if you tell the gospel? Ah, but there's a threat from our culture. There's a, a voice that says, you can't do that. You can't say that to that person. Why not? You don't need man's permission if you've got God's commission. And God has sent you into the world to tell the gospel to all um, all his people, all the people. That was a <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, secondly, they ask God to do miracles. That's the second prayer request. Look at it while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They ask for healing miracles, for signs and wonders through Jesus. Signs and wonders authenticate the message by showing divine authority. Our authority is the written word of God, so perhaps we don't ask for widespread healings to authenticate its message. But we ask for miracles in every uh, prayer meeting uh, you do have a prayer meeting here I hope um, we pray for people to be saved we pray for God to open people's hearts we pray for um, people to be uh, stopped in their tracks to hear the voice of God and be born again is that right yes that's a miracle and we want God to do that sort of thing in Kremlin uh, in now in this day and age And when somebody gets converted, it's a wonderful sign of God's grace. It authenticates the message. It authenticates the message more than a healing or a a miracle of some kind. When somebody gets saved, then it's a wonderful sign of uh, God's power and Jesus' saving power. But look, there's a little conjunction in those two prayer requests. They ask God to give them boldness. And they ask God for miracles, but there's a conjunction. They join the two together, while, while. They don't just pray for miracles and let God do the evangelism. They don't just um, uh, sit in a prayer meeting and pray for God the people in the houses to sort of gradually make their way to church. They pray for boldness, give us boldness, while you stretch out your hands and do miracles of grace. So you see, the apostles put the two things together. And we tend to separate them. They say, give us boldness and uh, we'll go out and tell the gospel. And you, while we do that, you put out your hand and save people. The two are together. So let's uh, put the two together and not separate what God has put together. And God answers both prayers. Look in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There are two miracles in that verse, that verse 31. The first is an earthquake. We were in an earthquake, a big earthquake in uh, Japan. It went on for four minutes and uh, it was really scary. The whole house was going like this and we were just waiting outside for it to fall down. Well, it didn't. After four minutes, it stopped. It was kind of a bit more bent than it was before. But... um, This was a friendly earthquake. This was an earthquake that just shook the um, meeting place enough to say, I have heard your prayer. It was an encouraging earthquake. There's another another miracle in verse 31. What was it? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak God's word with boldness. That is a miracle. When you see a Christian who's joyfully and boldly uh, telling the gospel clearly to uh, non-Christians, then you're seeing a walking miracle. Because that's not natural. That's miraculous. That's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need it, my friends. I need it. Please pray for me that I'll be like that. Uh, Pray for your pastor that he'll be like that. The Apostle Paul prayed for it. Why don't we pray for it? God gave them boldness. <coughs> and I believe that this boldness uh, was something that gave, God gave and he continued to give it and he continued to give it and right through the um, Acts of the Apostles you see this great um, wave of gospel boldness just rolling on and thousands of people uh, hearing the gospel because of that. <coughs> when the apostles spoke they spoke with boldness. Or it says they spoke with the Holy Spirit, right? That's how the two, two words that are used. They spoke with boldness or they spoke with the Holy Spirit. It means the same thing. I know they're different, but it means the same thing. They're almost interchangeable words. <clears throat> so you could say that um, the uh, amazing change And the amazing boldness that Peter and John um, received and the apostles received on that day and continued to receive, that is the reason why you're a Christian today. If they hadn't prayed that prayer, if God hadn't answered that prayer, then the the work of the gospel would have petered out there and then. But they didn't. They prayed it and they received boldness. And sometime in the past, somebody told you the gospel. Somebody built this church. Somebody was faithful. And so you could say that your conversion was a result of the apostles' prayer in uh, Acts chapter 4. The next uh, prayer request that God answered was miraculous signs. <clears throat> what are some of the wonderful miracles that followed? Uh, numerous conversions. Verse 14 in the next chapter. Uh, miracles. Miracles. Such extraordinary healings that Peter's shadow had the power to heal. Peter was miraculously delivered from prison to the surprise of a praying church. And later we're told of more conversions and a growing church in chapter 6. Priests are converted. Priests would have been in the Sanhedrin, they're the ones who get converted. And then Samaria receives the gospel wholesale. Then Paul is converted. And the whole great cycle goes on and on and on. People praying for boldness. God answering the prayer. And the church um, spreading the gospel around the world. So briefly, what must we do? Um, Just a few little practical points. What must we do now in the light of this teaching from God's word? We must pray for boldness now ourselves. We're so far behind the apostles. They prayed for boldness when they had it. We don't pray for it when we need it much more and we don't have it. We have dropped the baton. We might pray for revival, but you know, if you pray for revival, you've got to pray for boldness too. God gives both. Secondly, we must worship Jesus and be joyful. As I say, the underlying theme below this boldness is joy. They're not nervous when they tell the gospel. They're not shaking. They're joyful. They just don't care about their lives. They're just so happy and privileged to tell the gospel. I want to be like that. I want to have such worship in my heart that I don't even um, think about what might happen if I tell the gospel to somebody. That's the second point. Let's worship Jesus. The third point we learn from this is we need to be proud of the good news. Proud of it. The gospel works, my friends. The Apostle Paul um, said it very clearly. He said, For I am not ashamed... Not ashamed is the Apostle's way of saying, I'm very bold. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the Gospel is something to be proud of. So let's uh, be proud of the Gospel. That's the third point. The fourth point is we need to know that God is with us. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words to the church, to the apostles, gathered apostles, were... And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And that means here, now. We don't need a tremor at the end of our prayer meetings to prove that. We don't need a miracle. We just have his word, and that is enough. And fifthly, finally, let's know our sense of responsibility. We live in times when it calls for boldness when the world is encroaching and encroaching and encroaching, and the only thing that will drive it back is bold, joyful, uh, cheerful witnessing Christians. We must feel our sense of uh, responsibility. Peter and John expressed this responsibility to the Sanhedrin. They said, For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So we cannot be lazy, lazy, casual, or let our guard down. Uh, Reverend Takata was surveying the destruction left by the tsunami of uh, uh, 11th of March 2011, where we live, and he said to me, "This is our last chance." So I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "If the Japanese Church doesn't use this use this opportunity, God will give up on us." And he was right. I've been impressed by the relief effort mounted by the small Christian community but I have been dismayed by the unwillingness of many Christians to tell the gospel to the victims. After the serious earthquake, we were warned for 40 minutes before the tsunami came. Somebody was faithfully reading into a text, uh, reading into a microphone, from a text that was then broadcast along the coast in la- from loudspeakers. There is a huge tsunami coming. Escape to high ground. In some places, municipal workers faithfully read out that warning until until the wave went right over their heads and they died. But without that persistent, clear warning, the casualties would have been much, much higher. Indeed, some like me thought it was just another false alarm. (coughs) We had been warned before of tsunamis that never came, but the warning and the means of escape that the church has been given to pass on is no false alarm. Let us know our responsibility and be faithful. God sends disasters so that the church will be bold. If God sent this earthquake to us in Japan in 2011, shouldn't we tell the gospel boldly? God also brings the many small scale but equally devastating tragedies into the personal lives of those around us. God will also do miracles of salvation. God is in heaven and he does these things. But we are on earth with his spirit and with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to be bold witnesses. <clears throat> Paul's co- Paul, the Apostle Paul, calls us co-workers. But if we sit on our hands and say nothing, or when we do speak, we're so timid that nobody can understand what we mean, then we're being very uncooperative co-workers. So let us uh, remember these things and let us pray that God we Will answer these two re- prayer requests um, of uh, the apostles in um, Acts chapter 4 on our behalf too. And if we'll make these our prayer, and God by His Spirit who never changes will answer these prayers in this place, in this, at this time too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a glorious Savior. Um, and Lord, forgive us for the times we've been ashamed of the gospel, ashamed of our Savior, ashamed of uh, telling the gospel. Um, Help us, Lord, not to make excuses about it, not to deny our weakness or call it other names like love or wisdom or tact. Help us to be clear and to be bold and to be cheerful, joyful Christians. Uh, Help us, Lord, to reach out to everybody. Help us, Lord, to be free from prejudice against various uh, kinds of people who we may not want to tell the gospel to in the first place. Lord, change us, we pray. Uh, Thank you for the dear believers in this place, and I don't know their needs, but you do. And I pray that with every single one, you'll meet their needs, because you died to provide every single need answered. Uh, We thank you that every blessing we receive is a bought blessing, bought with blood. And we pray that um, as you died for a bold witnessing church, we pray that you will um, fulfill that too in this place now. In Jesus' name, amen.